Hello and welcome to Kiwi Rider Podcast, New Zealand's premier motorcycling podcast made by Kiwi Riders for Kiwi Riders. My name is Ray Heron. Joining me this episode, it is the one, the only, Matthew Day Gillard. Hello. Hey man, how are you? Yeah, no, ticking along quite nicely. Uh, getting in nice and early. It's a Friday night. We're getting in before the long weekend. Uh, we've got a whole heap happening this episode. Uh, we have news on State Highway 43, Triumph's Bond Edition. It's going to be a fantastic bike and we're going to tell you all the deets you need to know. Australia British GPs were cancelled and later in the episode, after the news, we're going to be talking to to the one and only Chris Birch about the KTM SXE5. Yeah, have you used those Contis lately on your, uh, your new rubber on the MT? No, the MT-07 hasn't been out in a week. Uh, very disappointed. We did get the Cardo Pack Talk Bold story out last week, which I was working on uh, during uh, during lockdown. Yeah, well, that was that phone call when you called me up from it uh, was quite a surprise because I couldn't tell you were on the bike or wearing a helmet. Now, I did have a couple of questions following that episode. Yeah. Uh, first question was, how good was it uh, talking to somebody on the phone? Uh, so obviously the uh, the Cardo was on the helmet, microphone in the helmet, Bluetooth connection to the phone, and then the phone to you. How good was it? Honestly, at the start, um, when you're just gearing up, putting your gloves on and whatnot, I literally could not tell you were even on a mobile phone. <laughs> it was that good. Then... You're cruising along at about 80, well, 50 k's an hour. I could kind of tell you were on a bike. Kind of. Like, only you'd start talking and you could just vaguely hear some background noise. But you were crisp clear as day. And at 80 k an hour, um, you could hear a bit more of the bike noise um, coming through. But only when you spoke. It wasn't like a constant... Which brings us on to the noise cancellation. So uh, apparently I didn't make it uh, clear enough in this story that noise cancellation is really good on the Cardo. Uh, so when I stopped talking, it just cut all noise, right? Yeah, like it was not distracting at all for me as the other person on in part of the conversation. Um, it was really, really impressive. And yeah, not going to lie, a bit je- I'm a bit jealous. <laughs> I Kind of think I need to get myself a Cardo now. So, uh, do we have any other questions on the Cardo Pack Talk Bold, Pack Talk Slim, or the entire Cardo ecosystem? Well, how's it actually like talking? Like, so I was on a mobile phone as well, and you were on your mobile riding down the highway. How did I come across in your ears with those JB? What is it, JBL speakers? Yeah, the JBL Slimline speakers. Um, they're really, really good because they're right by your ears and they're actually quite a big diameter diaphragm speaker. So uh, you get quite a bit of... Uh, you, the whole the whole sound spectrum is there. You get the, the high end, you get the bass, and so you get... Um, and, and you can just crank them. So if you, if you are... I don't know, if you're getting hit by hail and you've got all that noise on your helmet, just crank the volume on the uh, Cardo and you'll be able to hear that, that phone call if you absolutely need to hear it. Just cruising along, 50 and 80 k's an hour. I had no dramas hearing you. Uh, I've got to say, it's probably the first time being on a motorcycle I've had an, 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 an in-depth conversation with somebody else. And so... It was actually a little bit distracting talking to somebody while I was riding. Yeah, I was going to say, like, like one thing I find, and I use a competitor's product because it was given to me free on a bike launch, turning that volume up. Do you get to a point where it won't allow you to turn the volume up anymore? You, you do, yeah. Uh, there, there is a limit to the volume you get off the Cardo Pack Talk. Um, but to be honest, because those um, JBL speakers are so good, that volume is too loud. 
like i can i can crank it up and it's just it's just too much noise see either i'm going deaf which is quite a possibility or um yeah my competitor's product just yeah doesn't have the oomph in the speakers but then again the speakers are quite tiny in my ones so yeah i just find i'm always sitting there because i'll listen to podcasts when i'm writing because state highway one from here to auckland's boring as batshit so i will um, try and have that and a lot of the time your podcasts depending on where they come from uh, the audio quality is not really there so you have to crank it up to hear what's going on but i'll just be coming up against that max volume limiter all the time which is annoying you know the one thing that annoys me about podcasts and it's it's there's a reason why i do it and our podcast this podcast right here is uh it really annoys me when the voice goes quiet and loud and you have to turn the volume up to hear something somebody's saying but then they laugh and it's suddenly really really loud i'm, I'm gonna go a little bit audio geek on you here because i am an audio technician a sound technician it, use compression Compression brings the loud stuff down and the quiet stuff up. So compression and hard limiting. And I do quite a bit of heavy compression on this podcast as well as EQ and getting everything sounding good. Um, so when you are listening, with the, basically with a Cardo system or a, an in-helmet system in mind. So when you are listening, you don't have to crank the hell out of the volume to be able to hear the podcast. So if you're making a podcast, learn to compress your audio. Or if you're speaking into your microphone, actually continue to speak into your microphone. Don't look away from your mic and start having a conversation with the door next to you. Because um, I think that's part of the problem with a lot of the podcasts I listen to. But we're getting off topic. Yeah, so uh, the Cardo Pack Talk Bold, it's available from motogear.com. Co.nz. You can follow them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Just search motogear.nz, uh, run by our friends at Derby Accessories. Good guys. Uh, they do heaps and heaps and heaps and heaps of brands. Um, they do the Cardo stuff. Brand new agents for Cardo right here in New Zealand. So you'll get that full uh, warranty and backup from them on your Cardo gear. Uh, it's also IP67 rated, so it's, it's pretty much waterproof, so you probably won't have any dramas. Um, they also do Continental. They do HJC. They do heaps of stuff. So go to uh, motogear.co.nz and check out their website. Hey, Matt, just before we get into the news, I was on Facebook uh, during the week and I saw a post from the Two Bald Bikers Motorcycle Training. Uh, these guys are two bald bikers. They do CBTA courses and uh, they do... They're down your way, aren't they? Yeah, they're, the, yeah, they're based here in Wainui. Um, and they're, they're just two decent guys who ride bikes and are very knowledgeable. Uh, but they, they, po- they they've been working out of the Avalon Duck Pond area lately and I saw a post about getting better work stories. Uh, I'll read it to you. Yesterday, whilst waiting on a client, Stu, one of the two board bikers, had placed his gloves on the bike seat. Whilst talking to someone, he turned around to see a seagull flying off with one of said gloves firmly clamped in its beak. Realising, this is the seagull, that the glove was not edible, the seagull then dropped it right in the middle of of the Avalon Duck Pond. Oh, did he get his glove back? Like, is this a place you can get your gloves back from, or is it a, one of those ponds you'd rather um, look at and not even smell? Yeah, I don't know if I'd go in it myself, but you know, it depends how <laughs> it depends how badly you wanted. How, how it depends how expensive that bike glove was, really. It could have been a nice Gore-Tex, uh, fully weatherproof item, couldn't it? Also depends how waterproof your boots and pants are, because you could probably get in there and get out. It's not all that deep, but uh, I thought that was a funny story, and I thought I would share with you. <laughs> Uh, sounds like Stu needs to uh, head over to Moto Gear and talk to uh, the Derby guys. <laughs> sounds like he needs another glove. And Stu, if you are listening, or Ross, let us know. I do want to know if that glove got retrieved. Hey, it is time to do the news. 
Alrighty, yo, kicking the news off uh, this week, uh, the Australian and British MotoGPs have been cancelled. Uh, this literally just broke, um, we are recording on Friday night, and this broke about an hour ago. Uh, the FIM, IRTA and Dorna Sports have announced the cancellation of the British and Australian Grands Prix. The ongoing coronavirus outbreak and resulting calendar changes have obliged the cancellation of both events. The British Grand Prix was set to take place from the 28th to the 30th of August at the Silverstone Circuit. Silverstone hosted the first Grand Prix held in the British mainland from 1977 and the MotoGP returned to the illustrious track 10 years ago. Interestingly enough, this is not the uh, first time in recent years that the Silverstone GP has been cancelled. It was cancelled in 2018, which is still a sore point for the uh, organisers. 2020 will sadly mark the first year in MotoGP history that no track action at all will happen in the British Isles uh, in the first time in the championship's more than 70-year history. Wow, that's so disappointing, isn't it? Yeah, and it gets worse because uh, the GP that we could potentially be going to if uh, that, uh, what is it, the Trans-Tasman bubble gets established, um, the Australian Motorcycle Grand Prix at Phillip Island has also been canned. Uh, that was set to take place from the 23rd to 25th of October. Uh, Phillip Island hosted the very first Australian Motorcycle Grand Prix in 1989 and since 97 has been the only home of MotoGP Down Under with its unique layout providing some of the greatest battles ever witnessed in uh, two-wheeled motorcycle racing. So yeah, here's what Dorna's uh, CEO, Dorna Sports is the company that runs MotoGP, uh, Carmelo Izpaleta, I believe is uh, the guy's name. We are saddened to have to announce the cancellation of these iconic events after finding no way through the logistical and operational issues resulting from the pandemic and rearranged calendar. Silverstone and Phillip Island are always two of the most thrilling race weekends of the season and both tracks never fail in their promise to deliver some of the closest racing in our championship. So that's a bit, um, bit of a bummer to kick the news off this week. I got another bummer for you as well. Uh, NZTA is spending bucket loads of money on State Highway 43 upgrades, which not only sees the road completely tar sealed, which is really sad for adventure riders, uh, but they're going to be widening it as well. Yeah, and they're also going to be doing a whole lot of other upgrades. Um, there's going to be some passing opportunities, which um, let's face it, if you're stuck behind a camper van, that's probably not a bad thing. Um, there's going to be new signage, passing opportunities, safety barriers as well as road marking slow vehicle bays and improvements to the Moki Tunnel. Now what those improvements are we have no idea but um, if it's making the potholes go away inside that tunnel or maybe putting some lighting in, lighting would be nice. <laughs> that way if we're riding through it again with sunglasses on we can see where we're going. Um, <laughs> yeah that was a bit of a fail wasn't it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, there's also funding committed for replacing whole bits in two locations along the route and development of preventative of a preventative maintenance strategy. Um, they're spending a decent amount of money there as well. It's uh, somewhere in the region of 23 million. 23 mil. Well, I can't find the story in front of me, but uh, I see NZTA have committed to another, uh, I think it was about 25 mil on Transmission Gully as well. Transmission Gully, they're blaming COVID-19, uh, but to be honest, it's been plagued with issues since they started work, is going to not be completed in 2020. It's been extended out to 2021 and is now costing the government over $1 billion. 
Jeez, that is insane. It was meant to cost about 800 mil, right? 850 odd mil. And it was meant to be finished initially in uh, early 2020. Now they ran into issues that got extended. I think the last date I heard was November 2020. And I had a conversation with somebody February this year. And they said, no, it'll, it'll be done. It'll be done in November. And this person was in NZTA. And I said, it's not going to be done this year, is it? And they said, yeah, no, it will be because they're going to be facing, ma- the, the, the builders of the road are going to be ma- facing massive uh, penalties if it's not. Yeah, but they didn't foresee coronavirus, did they? They didn't. But then also NZTA are forking out more money to get it done later. Honestly, I've got no clue when it comes to NZTA and how stuff gets run. But yeah, I'm still a bit gutted that the, uh, oh, the gorge in... Uh, State Highway 43 is going to be sealed because that was really, really fun uh, getting to the toilet stop and uh, waiting for 25 minutes for you to catch everyone up. It wasn't 25 minutes. Hey, but there aren't... It, it is very sad that that's going to be tar-sealed. Uh, there's not <laughs> many roads around the country that uh, are gravel but you can use to get somewhere, if you know what I mean. Yeah, well... Like, I don't like taking a gravel road to go in and come back. I'd rather go from point A to point B, go somewhere, but go via gravel. Yeah, cool. Mm, yeah, well, it's, uh, if anything on the bright side, um, we're going to be able to get to the Wangamamana pub uh, just a little bit quicker. And, um, yeah, maybe uh, more people are going to enjoy some of those um, stunning views, which next time we ride it, we'll actually soak in. We won't just blast on past and go, oh, there's a nice view back there. Oh, there's it gone. Yeah, we might actually stop for a photo. Hey, if I, t- I tell you what, this next story, if I see one of these on the road, I'm stopping for a photo. Uh, the, the new Bond Edition Triumph. Yeah, man. So uh, Triumph Motorcycles New Zealand has announced that we will be getting a limited number of these uh, in New Zealand, but there's only going to be 250 worldwide. So who knows exactly how many uh, they're going to manage to get uh, to us. Um, Though it would be cool to see one in person. Um, Pricing and estimated date of availability are yet to be set. Um, but judging by Triumph's recent limited edition machines, like the uh, 765 Moto 2 Daytona, um, like I'm kind of betting, even though there's only going to be 250 of these bikes, they're not going to be priced out of the realms of mere mortals. Like that um, Daytona is for a carbon fiber, essentially race bike, um, a Moto 2 machine. It's 32 grand, I think, off the top of my head. I could be wrong there. So like, that's money that we could. Theoretically, if we earn more money, buy. If we earn money at all. Yeah. Yeah. Pe- peanuts are nice and um, free bike stuff's not always nice. Uh, free bikes, yeah, that would be amazing. Um, so um, the Bond Edition is a collaboration, uh, the result of the collaboration between Triumph and uh, Aeon, E-O-N Productions, who are the people behind the Bond films. And the Scrambler 1200 is going to be one of the feature chase vehicles, um, one of the bad guy bikes in, uh, what is it, No Time to Die, which in theory is coming out in November. Um, but it's been postponed once due to coronavirus, so I'm not going to hold my breath. Um, but that'll be cool to see at the movies hopefully um it's not the first time bond's um, been involved with two wheelers as well so um you may recall uh tomorrow never dies pierce brosnan and the ugliest cruiser in the world the r1200c um and yeah it's gonna be a really neat bike so what have they done to it they have um put some 007 james bond logos tastefully around the bikes uh on the cover uh, on the exhaust they have 
um, a very cool startup screen which features the remember on GoldenEye on uh, Nintendo 64 the whole dun 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 little circle comes across and James Bond yeah I think, if, I think you'll find that's in most of the movies there Matt is it yeah well I just I associate <laughs> it with that that was a great yeah, game yeah. Um, but yeah so it's got a special little um, startup screen on the TFT that utilises that little iconic James Bond intro um a numbered top yoke plaque because it's a limited edition bike so each bike's specific build number will be displayed right front and center uh, it also comes with special machined parts carbon fiber tipped arrow exhaust silencers because pew pew james bond um and a premium genuine leather seat which has bond edition embroidered on the back which looks quite cool it's completely blacked out as well uh, black forks black engine black swing arm it looks awesome and every single one of them comes with a special handover kit uh, with a personalized signed letter from triumph ceo um, and a premium rucksack whatever that means now you mentioned uh, a bike that was a bond bike how many bond bikes do you think you can actually mention uh, remember the top of my head um i actually read an article recently kagiva were in um goldeneye uh, the bad guys rode Kagivas. Um, I'm sure a Motoguzzi Eldorado featured in a Pierce Brosnan one. Not a Pierce Brosnan, sorry. Sean Connery. Jeez, those are two Bonds get mixed up. All right, I'll give you a t- I'll give you the list of top ten Bond bikes, eh? All right. All right, coming to us from Thunderball 1965, the BSA A65 Lightning. That's quite a cool bike. That's actually very cafe racer, if I do say, if I be so bold to say. But, I mean, back in the day before when it was new, you know? Yep, yep. Uh, the Honda ACT90 was in Diamonds Are Forever in 1971, the big three-wheeler thing. The Spy You Love Me 1977 saw a Kawasaki Z900 with sidecar. That was that was a cool bike, completely blacked out. Uh, in 1981, For Your Eyes Only uh, featured a Yamaha XT500. Never Say Never Again from 1983 had a Yamaha XJ650. And they'd even have you believe it was turboed, but we're not entirely sure if it really really was Octopussy from 1983 had a BMW R80 oh cool yes your Kagiva was in Goldeneye from 1995 the Kagiva W16 uh, we had as you mentioned the BMW R1200C from Tomorrow Never Dies 1997 that bike most ridiculous chase scene ever as well two up handcuffed together um, jumping and sliding sideways for about three kilometers. <laughs> yeah, I imagine the uh, cylinder heads would be absolutely rooted after that. Really cool to see um, Daniel Cray from Quantum of Quantum of Solace, nineteen ninety. Uh, sorry, two thousand and eight on the Montessa Cota. Yeah, that's actually a really cool looking bike, the Montessa. And of course, in at number one is the bike we've been talking about the Triumph Scrambler 1200 XE Bond Edition that thing is a very sexy looking bike and I'm pretty sure in Skyfall at the very beginning he rides a bike as well if I'm not mistaken but I can't remember what it is I think I think that was a Honda 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 250 he steals it off one of the bad guys yeah it's, it's- pretty badass he jumps it through a window um that's all i remember and then he somehow ends up on a moving train yeah the kiwi rider magazine facebook page uh right at the start of lockdown we did the 14 best motorbikes in uh movies Ah. and one of those was that honda uh go back to go and have a look at the videos on the kiwi rider facebook page and um do check that out hey we've got one more story in the news I've, i've taken us down a massive rabbit hole right here 
Uh, it was released on Friday night, the first look of the MY 2021 Beta RR 2 T's and 4 Yes, so um, I literally have not even had a chance to read this yet. So um, bear with me as I have a dive into what they have done. So the new RR models in a nutshell, uh, the 125cc is the smallest bike in the Beta range and it is the lightest and easiest to handle. Uh, pure racing style. It also bites. Yeah, as you found when you found the pipe on it. Um, apparently, though, according to Beta, it is suitable for both riders young and coming up from the lower categories and more expert riders looking for a fun bike. Oh, definitely. You've got you got to you got to know what you're doing though. It will bite you. You will learn very quickly. Yeah, the two hundred, uh, which is the uh, only two-stroke I have ridden. Uh, chassis setup and engine has been derived from its smallest sibling. Uh, ensuring extremely lightweight, excellent handling, and uh, the decidedly greater torque and power. Oil injection and an electric starter complete the package, which is perfect for enduro enthusiasts. The 250 is uh, ideal for those looking for a gentler two-stroke. That is probably actually the two-stroke I should have ridden. Um, with slightly less power and torque than top-of-the-range models to ensure excellent handling. And Yeah, so we rode the uh, the 2020 models of these bikes, and that bike was... I actually had to check that it was a, two, a two-stroke because it had a, quite a bit of bottom-end torque. It didn't feel uh, gutless in the bottom-end like a two-stroke. You didn't have to get it on the pipe to go somewhere. Yeah, so um, I won't go through the rest of the range, but we have... What, four models in the two-stroke range, the 125, 200, 250, and 300 cc's. In the four-strokes, we have a 350, 390, 430, and the big bore 480 cc model. Um, So for 2021, uh, the updates list is as follows. So Beta have updated the chassis in the steering head area and reinforced uh, and added reinforced plates for improved feel and durability. Um, the accessories supplied have been modified to provide better protection against wear. Um, they have also improved the rear subframe, making it more robust and durable. Uh, there is a new side panel mounting for easier installation. Uh, they have updated the tank cover cap for improved mounting. They have renewed their seat, improving on both the base plate and the foam Uh, so now it provides better support and is importantly more comfortable Uh, they have optimized the air filter box for improved waterproofing Uh, always a plus when you're doing river crossings Uh, and there is a new mounting for the filter um, inspection side panel for more practical use so they've made it easier to use your air filter system brilliant so it actually sounds like they've done quite a bit um, as far as revisions for the 2021 model yeah and they're not silly changes either Um, there's also a new electrical system for improved charging efficiency uh, because all these bikes run a headlight um, and some of them can have uh, blinkers as well because um, up until I think November next year you can still plate the four stroke models or you can plate some of them most visibly um, they have all new bright red colouring and graphics which we were talking about this just before we uh, jumped on the podcast and um, we're in two minds about it aren't we yeah, a lot of their uh, old beta bikes are very red, and the 20, uh, 2019 and the 2020 beta X trainers were very red in colour scheme, but I really liked the 2020 RR range, where they were more white than red. There was definitely red in there, there was a 
I think they were flecks of green, probably reflecting the um, the Italian flag, but it was predominantly white, and I quite liked the clean-cut white look of it. But then the the launch, the first look launch video, talked about them being very red. So this is the colour scheme for 2021. They are red, so um, it'll be a nice visual check for you if you look wandering into a dealership uh, to tell the 2020 and 2021 bikes apart. The 2021 bikes um, start becoming globally available uh this month um speaking for june uh when this podcast episode comes out um so it'll be very interesting um hopefully we get to have another thing around the coromandel hills with them again later in the year once they land in new zealand it would be and that rounds off the news Right, it is time to talk to one man who a lot of people know and is pretty much the man that taught me, not that he knows this, how to do a wheelie on my motorcycle live from the Coromandel, the man that says no to slow himself. It is Mr. Chris Birch. Welcome. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, good, good, Chris. Um, and again, thank you so much for joining us on what is a midweek night, um, a bit out of the schedule for us normally, and I'm guessing you've got a very busy schedule yourself now that uh, you're out of lockdown. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's not as busy as it was looking like it was going to be three months ago, but uh, <laughs> things are starting to ramp up again and we're sort of, we're coming up with a whole new different version of busy now. Seven weeks in lockdown, Chris, how did you manage that? Have you ever done seven weeks without going somewhere on a motorbike? No, no. Uh, luckily, I uh, I got a bit of engineering with my background's a mechanical engineer and I picked up a little bit of work at uh, uh, the local engineering firm which gave me an excuse to roar down the valley uh, every morning <laughs> and back on my 790 so I got to itch the scratch a little bit but it, it wasn't really the real thing it's actually the longest time I've ever gone without uh, riding a motorbike off-road jeez that must be rough, but then again, yeah. my bike's currently um, closer to you than it is to me. It's in Fungmata with my parents, um, and Ray did, Ray's been working from home, so I don't think any of us have really been getting that much riding done lately. Uh, yeah, I've been, I've been playing catch-up since we went to level two, that's for sure. <laughs> right, so the reason we've got you uh, on the podcast today is, um, of course, we've been following you on social media, and um, I don't know about Ray, but I downloaded Say No to Slow, and while I was sort of downloading that time i saw you were um out playing with your daughter with the new ktm electric mini cross bike and we really want to know more about them because um yeah our kids are too small to ride them at the stage yeah <laughs> so um i believe it's ktm sxe5 is it is that yep, what it's that's officially what called yep. yep that's um, what they call yes yeah, so um starting off what do you think of it being a man uh, who's been in petrol uh, vehicles for so long yeah I, I guess i should sort of preface this by saying you know obviously i'm, I'm a ktm guy through and through so I can't even pretend not to be biased but uh, <laughs> I will promise I'm giving you my honest opinion it's it's freaking awesome um, <laughs> it's such a good product um, I think you know for for kids the electric solution is just so much easier it's such an easier thing so much easier motorbike to own you know the, the, the little uh, you know petrol powered 50s that you know the KTM 50s sort of thing anyway uh, they're they're proper proper race bikes with race bike maintenance and race bike mannerisms, um, and they're a pain in the ass to own. Uh, whereas this <laughs> yeah, little man. little electric bike, it's you know basically zero maintenance, zero heat. Um, you know where we are, we we don't have to worry about making too much noise for our neighbours. That's not really the concern. But you know, if I want to take Zoe riding, 
I don't even put the thing in the trailer. I just throw it on the back seat of the U. <laughs> there's no petrol to leak out. There's no heat. There's oh, it's just such an easy thing to own. How um, what's it like? Um, battery life and charging times and your real world experience because um, yeah, we've read some we're, things. We're, yeah, where my daughter's at at the moment, um, the best way to describe it is the bike has way more battery life than she does. Oh, wow. So that, that's impressive. And how long does it take to charge the battery? Because I read it's about an hour to give it a full charge from flat. Yeah, about an hour, I think. And it's uh, it's about 45 minutes for 80% charge. So in, that, again, and for my daily life sort of thing, it's about 45 minutes. If I've forgotten to charge it within 45 minutes, that's a whole unit of Zoe's energy for a ride. <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh, so, and when you say it, it outlasts your daughter's uh, energy, I mean, what, how long are we talking? How long does she ride for? So we don't, you know, I've got no, uh, no real interest in motocross racing or anything like that. So we're just going out playing and exploring together and, you know, using it as a tool to, you know, for daddy-daughter time, basically. So we're up in the forest and, you know, stopping to throw rocks in the rivers and make fairy houses and that sort of thing. So we're probably, we're out and about for about three hours. I would imagine and she's probably riding it for about maybe an hour and a half two hours uh, and during that time but we've never come we've never had to shorten a ride yet due to a lack of battery time it's always you know Zoe's you know we've, we've done what we wanted to go and do and it's time to go back and you know it sounds fantastic it sounds like people who, who do actual trail rides and do sort of the kids loop should have no issues with battery life with these no I wouldn't think so and, and you know like with that with that charge time you know by, by the time you, a kid's done two hours of riding they're probably due you know even, even the the keenest kid's probably due for a bit of a, a you know a 45 minute smoke oh and um so-, so can we just ask the question about uh technology uh how, how do you know uh how i haven't actually seen one of these in person how do you know how much battery life's left in it and 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 what, what kind of tech does the bike have so it's got a dis- have different rider modes or it's got like an led sort of light display um that shows you, you know, a sliding scale of how much battery power you have left. So it's just a series of lights that, that gradually go off as, as the load goes down. Um, the really cool thing with that bike is you have six different power modes. So power one would be less aggressive, less powerful than like a Wee 50. So perfect, like absolute learner's bike, like it just chugs along. And, and the best thing with it is, um, you know, Zoe's previous bike was a, was a Wee 50 and a lot of you know, a lot of parents will know. Like you can restrict the throttle move, uh, the amount of throttle that, you get, that the bike gets, but you can't restrict its top speed. So you know, with a two-stroke, and you, you can hold a two-stroke at a quarter throttle, and the speed will just keep increasing, increasing, increasing. It takes longer to get there, but the, the RPM does keep increasing. So whilst you've restricted your little one's acceleration, you haven't restricted their top speed. But with the SXE5, it's restricting the acceleration, but also restricting the top speed. So you don't get those whiskey throttle across the paddock out of control because they're never going faster than your adult jogging speed in, in that level one. And that goes all the way up to level six. And to put the best way to describe level six is I can't hold the thing pinned in level six up my driveway. It goes too fast and I have to button out of it myself. <laughs> kilograms. <laughs> Jeez. Wow. So it's actually perfectly good fun for adults to play with these as well, is it? Um, you're not really supposed to. You're, like, you're definitely <laughs> uh, blowing through the suspension a fair bit, but, you know, boys will be boys. Yeah, so they've got quite good suspension as well from factory too, don't they, being KTMs? Yeah, so it, it, it is straight up a race bike like it's designed to be a race bike but they've they've given a lot of flexibility in there so you know in, in power mode six it's 100 percent competitive with a with a ktm sx50 that's what it's designed to 
you know, designed to be, but then you can mellow it all down from there. Uh, Zoe normally in the bush, we ride it in level three and then in the open paddocks when she's just been a goon and wanting to go fast and scare her parents, we run at <laughs> level four and she hasn't even requested any more than that yet. That's plenty fast enough. <laughs> oh, sweet. What kind of age bracket are we talking for kids on these bikes? Is it? A, I, I assume it's more size than than anything else, right? Uh, yeah. So it's um, we've probably come to the party a little bit late. But the cool the cool thing with this bike is that uh, I mean, the, just to, to purely recite the marketing guff is the bike grows with the kid, theoretically. Um, so it comes with. Um, you can set the raise and lower the whole seat, you know, the fuel tank, although it is a fuel tank, but the shrouds, the seat, the whole thing, you can jack that up and down to raise and lower the seat height. You have two different shock positions that you can mount the shock absorber in, and then you can slide the forks up and down to, to balance that out. And also you can get a, um, a, a kit to reduce the suspension travel as well. So you can probably go from about, you know, depending on how big your kit is sort of thing, I, best way to describe it is if we had this bike at the start, I wouldn't have bought a Peewee 50. I would have just re- shortened the suspension, put it in power mode one, and that would have been fine as Zoe's first bike at five years old. And it'll probably take her through until, you know, eight or nine years old sort of thing, I would think. Because at the moment, she's got it in the lowest suspension setting without um, the mechanically reducing the travel and the lowest seat height. So there's a lot of growing room there for her. Nice. Do they? Um, I've had a few look at a lot of the photos of it over the years. Do they have quite small wheels in comparison to some of the other bikes that sort of fit into that age bracket? No, so the, the same size wheels as what all the petrol bikes run. The, yeah, I think all those bikes, the wheels do look quite small. Um, mm, they, they look almost praying mantis-like. They're a bit gangly and sort of small. Yeah. And your long forks. It's, um, yeah, they kind of all are a bit like that, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, another good thing with that bike is, uh, is you've got an air fork in the front so with it you know with an air sprung fork you can reduce the air pressure in the fork and soften the suspension right up so with a spring a sprung fork you know especially because that bike's you know designed for racing you know ktm ready to race sort of thing the suspension would have been way too hard for zoe for what you know riding it as a bush bike um so i've dropped that air pressure right down you know wound the preload off the spring soften up the shock sort of thing so it's going over the tree roots um it's actually you know, it's designed to be a motocross bike, but they've accidentally made by far away from what I've seen the best kids enduro bike that's out there. How old's Zoe now? She's seven. Is she uh, seeing some of the YouTube videos from uh, Dad Chris Birch and seeing some of the things and kind of attempting some of these stunts and obstacles and wheelies and all that sort of thing? Or uh, it's funny, like she sees and she and she goes, oh. Oh, that's cool. Moves on. (laughs) (laughs) That's what we've got to look forward to, Ray. (laughs) Yeah, she's pretty damn hard to impress. There's a a, a really big um, fallen tree on the farm where we go riding. You're like, I've got to get my double blip timed absolutely perfect to hold the front end up. And I'm like, hey, Zoe, check this out. And I I nailed it, you know, kind of wheelied out of it, right at the top of my game sort of something. (laughs) Oh, that's cool. Uh, (laughs) Is that all you got sort of thing? (laughs) Oh, geez, kids, they'll push you. (laughs) Yeah, but but, yeah, that's kind of cool too, you know, you, you know. I should be your dad. I shouldn't be some superhero guy. <laughs> uh, we all like to think we're a bit of a superhero to our kids, though, don't we? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yes, yeah. Um, so you were saying that um, you mentioned five years old for a sort of a start point. Is that when Zoe started riding? Is that when sort of in your experience you'd suggest kids start riding? I think it's 100% up to the kid. And 
that's where as a especially as a moto obsessed dad you've got to be very very patient and i I, my take on it is like i I didn't push zoe into riding at all i just provided every possible opportunity for her to be able to (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's kind of my cunning scheme and cunning plan that i've got working on in the background because um yeah, otherwise the wife the wife's not one hundred percent keen that my son learns to ride, and I was sort of thinking, well, if I get a bike now, I've got to get two bikes because now I've got two kids. So, mm-hmm. um, so with our, our story is like I borrowed a, a Pee fifty off a friend of ours just you know to see if she liked it when she was maybe not even quite five, and she you know really excited and really really into it, but um, wasn't happy for me to let go of the handlebars at all. So I was running laps of the paddock. <laughs> bent and double holding onto the bars. I'm like, no, no, this is not sustainable. Like daddy's back can't handle any more of this. Um, unless you want to learn to ride it by yourself, we're going to have to give the bike back. Oh, okay. Give the bike back. Oh, damn it. <laughs> but then uh, for the last four years, we've been uh, going to Canada and doing a big trip through Canada uh, for doing riding schools and, and, and riding and that sort of stuff, basically skipping New Zealand winter. And we were doing camping and doing schools out of the awesome lake uh, out near Kamloops. And there was a whole bunch of kids there that Zoe was playing with. And uh, they all had Wee 50s. And after, you know, doing whatever it was they were playing with, they decided it was time to go for a ride. And Zoe came over, you know, all sort of, you know, tripping over it, over her lips. I'm like, oh, I'm jealous. All, all my friends are going riding and I can't go riding. So we thought, there's a spare bike there. You know, you've got your helmet. You've got some gear, you know. Because we always have some gear so she can come riding with me on my bike. You know, if you want to, I'm sure you could ride it. And as you guys all know, you know, jealousy is such a strong emotion for kids. <laughs> so jealousy straight away trumped fear. And she was on the bike and doing everything I told her months previously. It had, had actually sunk in and she was good to go. And from that moment, she, she hasn't looked back. But that was... That moment was created by her on her own time frame, on her want, not not me pushing it in any way. Do you think, Chris, there's a, um, is merit to uh, two wheelers over four wheelers to start with, or maybe uh, starting with a trials bike over an enduro bike, or is there a, is there a way to do it to bring kids into it, or do you just have to kind of do what you do? Um, I, I think it's it's very much up to the uh, up to the family and up up to what you do. I mean the. I, I think, uh, you know, with these little electric bikes, like, the, you know, the Ossets and those little small trials bikes and that sort of thing, they're, they're a really good way to start off. Um, you know, I don't want to be coming back, you know, banging the drum too hard, but I, I firmly believe electric is a much better way to do it now. Because what were the options previously? Basically, the most mellow bike you could get that was good for an entry-level family. So one of the things that... Um, sort of sprung to mind with the KTM with the low maintenance and everything is you don't have to be a hardcore moto dad to know how to sort of get your kit on it. And like you read the instruction manual, which I'm sure is like, yay thick. Um, and you're away laughing and you don't have to do sort of all this maintenance. Oh, Matt, instruction manual. It's all online now. <laughs> well, it's yeah. probably, a, there's probably an app for that to be honest. Um, but um, yeah, where I was going is um, previously sort of what you had the Pee 50 and maybe the other four, like a four stroke 50 or something to learn on where now you've got yeah. all these electrics. Um, are the electrics more family friendly? I, I think so. And, and a good way to sort of come back to those, you know, my, one of my close friends, he, uh, his son's a few years older than, than Zoe and they lived in, um, in Mount Albert 
and he got one of those little Osset uh, electric trials bikes for his kid. And they would he would mountain bike, and his kid would ride ride the Osset all around over all around Mount Albert. Sorry, up One Tree Hill, all these areas, <laughs> and. People would look at him and go, oh, you're such a good dad. That's such a fun family activity. If you did that with a petrol-powered bike, they'd ring the cops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is that going for it. There's that side of it. But the other side of it as well is, you know, up until a few months ago, I was traveling a lot. Um, and for Monica to take, my wife Monica to take Zoe out riding, which she's got to mix the fuel properly, she's got to you know, change valve, spark plugs, kickstart it, all that stuff. It just wouldn't happen. Yeah. But to take Zoe out when she just has to throw the bike in the back seat and press the go button when she gets there, much more likely to for that to happen. Okay. So electric bikes definitely sound a lot more family friendly. The KTM SXE, I mean, that's what we started this conversation with. How durable is it? I mean, kids, I know my kid, he's got little toy trains, man. Half of them are broken already. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not bulletproof. It's it's a motorbike, you know. Um, it's, I guess, to be honest, totally honest, I'm probably too not far in enough to tell you yet, to be completely honest. I mean, we've only had it a few months. Um, it seems plenty durable enough. You know, Zoe's crashed it and bashed it and thrown it, thrown it around a bit, and it's, you know taking a little bit of rubber off the end of the hand grip, and that's pretty much it so far. Um, Because they do have the same frame as the um, SX-52, don't they? Like, I think that's what Mm. was developed off the frame. Um, I think the same ergonomic sort of things, the same numbers, but I would imagine the frames are different because it doesn't have an engine in the middle. Um, True, true. Yeah, probably the same, similar ergonomic sort of things, similar sizing, that sort of stuff, but... uh, it looks pretty different to me. And um, you've seen a couple of times. Smash off it too. So like, like, it seems, I mean, who knows? It's early days, right? But it seems like <laughs> you'd have to work harder to wreck it than I think you would. Re- you could wreck a, pe- a petrol power bike earlier. Yeah, definitely. Um, I would I think. Mean, well, you'd be able to drop it in a creek or something and you'd hydro lock the engine or something like that. You've mentioned a couple of times chucking it in the backseat of the ute. So how much does it weigh, do you reckon? Um. Oh. I should know that, and I don't, sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, it's lighter than my mate's kid's SX50. He's wow. got a, a, an older one. I don't know how it compares to the current one with the, you know, the current one with the Air Forks, but it's it's pretty light. And that was one of my fears, actually, because uh, uh, I've, I've ridden the uh, the KTM electric free ride, which it, unfortunately you can't get them in New Zealand. And my initial expectation with that bike was, oh, this thing should be significantly lighter um, than it's petrol equivalent and it, and it wasn't, it was heavy. And I remember sort of going to pick the back wheel up and move around the shop and go, Oh, Oh, that's not what I thought it would be as well. And I, and I had this kind of fear that the bike was going to be a lot heavier than it is. And yeah, it's not the way at all. Oh, that's fantastic. That is what, one of the things you think of with batteries is batteries are heavier and like, yes, yeah, a bit of a con there, but it's honestly, this sound like apart from the price, which is a bit more expensive. It's um, yeah. even Patrick Stafford at KTM New Zealand said like the biggest barrier to these bikes is the price, which comes with new technology. It's they're about, um, cause you have to put, get the charger separate as well as my understanding. So the bike itself is about $9,000 and then it's another 800 for the charger system. For yeah. It. You, you're pretty uh, much in for 10 grand. It, it's a lot of money. Um, it is a lot of money. I think, you know, you, you can kind of 
you know, with the way that the bike does grow within you, it's so adjustable. You could make the case that it's basically two bikes use out of one purchase. But yeah, that's it's still 10 grand for your kid. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you definitely want to make sure that they were keen to ride before you outlaid that on a brand new one. Mm. Um, but in saying that, yeah, you're quite right. Like, if you're talking if, if they're starting from five years old and they're going up to nine or 10, that's five years of riding. Which- yeah, in the long run, like, I think it probably would balance out because, you know, if you're doing a lot of riding on the, on the petrol bike, you know, you're burning through a lot of gas, you're burning through a lot of two stroke, you're burning through a lot of spark plugs going to do a couple of clutches you're probably going to do a piston you know probably you know if you're right into it you're going to do burning through cranks and engine rebuilds and that sort of stuff as well so it potentially you know if you're playing the long game it, it could be way more competitive than the initial outlay makes it seem yeah and um one thing i haven't like so there's no gearbox or anything is there it's just nah. a direct chain drive yep so um the chain's the only real maintenance item is it Chain and brake pads, I would think. That's basically it. Like that's a pretty big selling point to me. Like I hate, well, I don't hate. I enjoy doing maintenance to a point, but if it's for my kid and they're getting all the enjoyment out of it, it's um, doing as minimal work as possible seems like a big selling point. Yeah, and, and be, I'm sure you'll find this out. You know, as you get further into it, your kids, you know, you get more and more kids riding. Like trying to get your own act together to go riding is enough hassle. Trying to get your bike sorted two kids' bikes sorted, you know, mixing different types of gas and all that admin, like to just be able to just plug your kids' bike in and go and worry about your own bike. And you know, there's a lot of admin involved in being a moto dad. <laughs> Spraying <laughs> well, the chain and just plugging it into the wall for 45 minutes is that's pretty nice. <laughs> uh, uh, what do you reckon it would be like if you had to go, well, you didn't have to go, you decided to go to a tr- organised trail ride and two hours drive from home or something and the kids' battery ran flat. You'd have to drive it all the way back home to charge it, or would the kid not be keen to keep going? Pack a generator, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> In all seriousness, yes, yeah, pack a generator. Like they, you don't. It's quite a high, quite a low voltage draw, so you don't need uh, a massive geni. Like a little, like the cheapest, cheap, most cheap and cheerful generator you can find will charge you up. And and under an hour, so and you can patch and you can pack the kids' Nintendo Switch. So while the thing's <laughs> charging, they can be playing that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, for me, we're, where we're at at the moment, Zoe's not going to ride more than one battery charge in a day. It's that's that's not where we're at. Um, I guess we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Nice, outstanding, Chris Birch, the man who says no to slow, all the way from Coromandel. We've been talking the KTM SXE. Hey, thank you very much for taking the time out of your evening to have a chat with us. Only a pleasure. Just before we let you go, um, quickly let us know about uh, say no to slow, the download that is available. What's the story? Yeah, there? so we've been working long and hard over about a year to put together an online training uh, program for adventure bike riders, primarily. Uh, we, we are working on the enduro side of it as well. Um, that's something that I've wanted to do for ages because, you know, I'm always getting asked, hey, you know, will you come to Nicaragua and do a rider training school for us? I'm like, oh, dude, I'm not going to Nicaragua. So it's been a way to kind of answer those requests and then try to help spread some information for that. Um, we put a lot of effort into it. It's all professionally produced. So they're going really, really well. They've sold in over 90 countries in the world now. So that fixed that oh, problem. Hey. Yeah, and timed reasonably well with COVID as well, with uh, no, no ability to travel at all. <laughs> so, yeah, you check it out on uh, Vimeo On Demand slash Say No to Slow. Sweet. Thank you, Chris. And I can uh, vouch for it being a very good watch. Um, I just wish I had my motorbike sitting in the garage with me watching it so I could actually practice some of those things. The gear, the 
practicing your gear shifting one is something I really want to get into. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, especially after setting up the bike properly. I, it's small gems like that that are really, really appreciative. Then yeah, cool. you're just so chill as you're presenting it. It's brilliant. <laughs> Uh, yeah, exactly. I've been doing it a while now, sort of trying to yeah, <laughs> experiment on people over many, many years and find the right way to get the information across. <laughs> no, I think it works perfectly, man. And um, again, thank you so much for joining us today, well, tonight. All good. So that pretty much wraps up our episode this week. Hey, thank you very much for sticking with us. It's been uh, it's been a long one this week, out to close to 40 minutes, which is, um, it's back to like the old episodes, you know, the first season, Matt. Yeah, where we just prattled on and except um, I think we've done a bit more of a better job uh, these days than we used to. Yeah, I think we've actually got some content to talk about. Hey, look, uh, there's a new Kiwi Rider magazine out this week. Um, If you want to see photos and more information on those new beta bikes, do get that magazine. When I say magazine, it's online, it's all clickable, it's digital, you can download it on your tablet, your smartphone, your computer, your laptop, whatever it might be, uh, and it's absolutely free. Uh, i tell you what, the easiest way to find it is to go to Google and search Kiwi Rider Jumag, J-O-O-M-A-G. Kiwi Rider Jumag, the first option that clicks that pops up will be the entry to that. Click on it, go into the magazine. It's going to ask you to subscribe. If you can't be bothered, hit the X. You don't have to, and it's absolutely free. But I tell you what, if you do subscribe, that magazine will be emailed direct to your inbox. Isn't that right, Matt? Yeah, up to the minute it comes out, um, which is always fun because it normally comes out on a Tuesday or a Wednesday night. Um, and I don't know about you, Ray, but um, when I'm sitting in a dark room trying to put my toddler to sleep, um, it's a nice surprise to get that pop into the inbox and just sit there and read that while he sort of prattles and sings songs and pretends to look at stars. Uh yeah. What I really like about it too is it's um it's like you, you, old school magazines though are printed on paper and the pictures didn't move. But now with the new school magazine, you can have videos and you can have pictures and you can have audio and you can have links to things and uh, all the latest motorcycling gear is in there as well. So you can go, well, I need some new boots. What am I going to have? Oh, look, there's a page full of boots and it will take, you know, I can click on it and go straight through to the place where I need to buy them. Uh, In this post-COVID world when we're all doing online shopping, it is absolutely outstanding and I love it. Yeah, not going to lie, the uh, ability to go, oh, I like the look of that. I wouldn't mind buying that and then clicking through and then hovering over the buy now button and then going actually the wife will kill me if I buy this right now I'm just going to put this on my (laughs) watch list or I'm going to put this in (laughs) put it in my bookmarks if you're anything like me and like I don't know if you do AliExpress or not my my cart on AliExpress has got about a thousand items in it because I'm like oh I want that oh I want that oh I want that and it just sits in the cart and then I never actually buy them <laughs> don't buy from AliExpress buy local spend your money in local keep our New Zealand economy going uh, this is Kiwi Rider podcast thank you very much as I said for listening you can get hold of us kiwirider.co.nz is the website Kiwi uh, podcast at kiwirider.co.nz is the email address we're on Instagram and Facebook as well a little tip bit of information we've got a brand new brand of motorcycle riding gear coming into the country with one of our importers it's called Hevik we're getting some we're going to try it out and we're going to share it with you now this is being imported by uh, Eurobike and the only people stocking it in the country at the moment are Beatnik 
Moto in Blenheim. So we're getting some of this, we're going to try it out, and we're going to let you know what it's like. That's a tidbit of information, especially for you listening to this podcast. No one else is knowing about this yet. This is this is brand new. Even Matt doesn't know about this yet. I did not. I'm kind of jealous. I wouldn't mind some new kit. <laughs> uh, so just drop that bombshell. Otherwise, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, and if you wouldn't mind sharing this podcast, please do share it with a writing buddy of yours. I've been Ray. I've been Matt. Keep the rubber side down, throttle on, and we will catch you in seven days' time.